This is the Palladian Energy Podcast, a podcast series for energy professionals featuring short, insightful interviews with experts who can shed light on topics that matter to you and your business. We'll cover issues relevant to the upstream, midstream and downstream sectors. The first series will comprise 10 episodes, each providing valuable information on the topic of digitalization in the oil and gas industry. I'm your host, Elizabeth Corner, Senior Editor at Palladian Publications. Please subscribe to the podcast for free on anchor.fm and rate and review. Sponsoring this episode of the Palladian Energy Podcast is Global Hydrogen Review a new publication dedicated to the entire spectrum of hydrogen production and its applications worldwide. Each issue of Global Hydrogen Review will include quality keynote articles, detailed case studies, and in-depth technical articles highlighting the latest trends and innovations within the hydrogen sector. Issue 1 is out now. Sign up for your free subscription at www globalhydrogenreview.com. Welcome to episode nine of the Palladian Energy podcast. Today, I am pleased to be talking to Sam Miarelli, Global Head of Industrial Cybersecurity for Industrial Applications for Siemens Energy. And Sam is here to talk about some trends that he's seeing in the industrial cybersecurity market and to discuss how technology and human know-how can work together to help secure optimal protection of the things that we value in business. So thanks for being here, Sam. Hi, Elizabeth. Happy to join you. Digitalization has been at the heart of this series of the podcast. And of course, as we digitalize energy-related operations and control systems for energy assets, everything becomes interconnected and therefore more vulnerable to online saboteurs. So maybe you can tell us about your role at Siemens Energy and give an overview of what you feel we need to cover today if we're going to be talking about cybersecurity for industrial applications. Sure. So at Siemens Energy, I run our global business uh, bringing OT cybersecurity products and services to our customers in the oil and gas space, in uh, pulp and paper, and also in the offshore space. So we're purely focused on securing operational technology. Uh, we don't do IT stuff. We're not securing your email. Uh, we're really focused on making sure that plants and critical infrastructure and the equipment there um, are protected against uh, cyber attacks and, and vulnerabilities. So Sam, we're talking at a time of increased awareness and increased likelihood of the possibility of cyber attacks. What has changed recently and how are you responding to that? So personally, I don't think things have actually changed much recently except for awareness. Mm -hmm. Serious cybersecurity risks and the environmental health and safety, not to mention operational damage that those could cause, should have been well known to the industry for at least the last five years or more. Um, you know, well-publicized attacks like Triton uh, in the Middle East should have scared everybody pretty good because that, that was a situation, if the listeners aren't aware, where 
According to some incident response firms, Russian malware disabled the security loop on a petrochemical plant that could have caused, uh, you know, basically dumb luck that it didn't cause a major incident that would have released hydrogen sulfide gas, which, you know, would have hurt a lot of people. But, you know, nevertheless, headlines are headlines. Mm -hmm. And we see that things like Colonial Pipeline and really the the trade press has done a, a really good job, I would say, in the last two years or so of bringing awareness of the types of attacks that are important for an industry, important for a region, but which don't rise to the level of making it into the New York Times or The Economist or something like that. And, and so, you know, we see awareness rising following the the attacks, not leading the attacks. And so we see that the organizations are starting to sort of ask the question of, well, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good place to start. Um, and, and then I think what we really quickly run into is organizations that find out that they don't even really know what they have attached to their networks and their industrial processes, um, that they don't, they haven't really paid attention to the software side of an upgrade cycle, right? So they've thought about mechanical upgrade cycles and outage schedules and that sort of stuff. And, you know, in, in all candor, a company like Siemens Energy, that's what most of our organization is thinking about and focused on when we're servicing these companies. And, you know, unlike the IT side of the house, where you usually have someone who at the very least it's some part of their job to think about keeping stuff up to date and closing security gaps. Mm-hmm. There's very rarely in organizations, except for very large organizations that have been you know, worried about this for a long time, but in sort of your average size um, energy companies, there's very rarely someone who, who goes to the office every day and says, either my job or a major part of my job is thinking about network vulnerabilities of the plant, not just on the the IT, email, printers, that kind of thing. And so it's kind of that combination of years of, you might say, underinvestment or just sort of not having that top of mind from a a maintenance and operations perspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many organizations just don't have anybody who's even been thinking about it for a while. And then you get kind of a top-down sort of a thing from the board that says, hey, we need to do something. And, and then, you know, sometimes you run into people scrambling or, or things like that. And, and that's really, I think, where we as an OEM at Siemens Energy, but I think other OEMs as well, are well positioned to be able to help with those sorts of things. Because, you know, often we have a really good idea about what it is that has been plugged into a particular plant because we sold it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think that's what makes, you know, my job and, and what we're doing at Siemens Energy kind of interesting is, that, that often this is much more of a putting a puzzle together kind of an exercise than sort of a blue sky thinking kind of thing. Now, a new piece of research was published today by DNV. It's called the Cyber Priority. And essentially, its message is energy executives expect more extreme cyber attacks, but defensive action is lagging. I wonder what you think about that uh, summary. Yeah, so I, I think that is very similar to the reports we've seen out of Gartner and, you know, other market research companies over the last couple of years that, you know, we did some work on our own um, 
2019, where we found some similar results on the power gen side of, of things. Um, you know, I think there's a recognition that something needs to be done, but getting from something needs to be done to what should we do and getting budgets and that sort of thing is, you know, it's complicated in any large organization. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, and, and I think that that's where, uh, you know, I think companies have some options, right? They can staff up internally. Um, good luck hiring. Uh, if you find good people to hire, uh, trust me, I'm chasing them as well. <laughs> they can hire outside consultants. Uh, you know, the, some of these consulting firms have lots of experience with this sort of thing. And, and some of them will tell you that they have lots of experience with these sorts of things. Maybe not. You can, you know, go with uh, individual device vendors and and say, okay, you know, this this company's mm -hmm. sales guy came and it sounds like he's got a good product, and so maybe we'll give that a try. Um, and and kind of the approach that we bring at Siemens Energy is that, you know, we think it's best to sort of start with what is it that you've got, and what are we trying to achieve, and what are we trying to secure. Mm -hmm. And and that's where I think coming from the perspective of a major equipment OEM, you know, I think we bring a different kind of a perspective about things. One is we have a better understanding of what the life cycle is of the equipment, mm -hmm. um, of what the roadmap is for the control systems that are installed and might be replaced. And and I think that that, that sort of knowledge and insight gives us the ability to map out with the customers that we work with a more efficient way to do this. Because, you know, with, a, with any plant, you could go in and shut down the plant for a month and spend an enormous amount of money. And yeah, you'll get gold plated and really good cybersecurity. But, but that's just not a realistic solution. And I think that a lot of the reluctance that you see in these surveys is operational executives who recognize that they can't just stop everything to go make their plant cyber secure because the whole point of the cybersecurity is to keep the plant running in the first place. And so I would say we have run into uh, an increasing number of situations where cybersecurity deployments were done without an eye towards plant operational performance. And boy, does that result in a lot of people that are unhappy mm -hmm. with uh, the cybersecurity team. Um, and it's because these teams maybe internally haven't talked to each other. They maybe were hired by different parts of the organization. They didn't understand. You know, we run into a lot of where there's sort of the Silicon Valley mindset, which is great for product development of move fast and break things. Not so good when you're talking about an operational plant that needs a couple days to go from initial uh, startup to really operational performance and where a trip causes you to have to restart that whole process. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, I think that, that that's reflected in reluctance on the buy side uh, because there, there is an element and I think there's a narrative out there that this is such a big problem that maybe it's just not solvable. Mm -hmm. uh, and it really is solvable. Um, and it's solvable within existing maintenance windows, right? The, these are the kinds of things that if you work with a partner who understands mechanical outage windows, 
and you have a team that understands and is focused on those windows, you can deploy a lot of really good cyber tools in those windows if that's what you're focused on. And, and that's you know one of the things that I drive with with my team all over the world is that we need to make sure that everyone we work with, our outside vendors, the companies that we we work with and integrate their stuff, that they understand that when we go to deploy and there's this window, that's the window. Right. And and having something miss, having something delivered late, having something not quite work and it needs a firmware update or something like that, that is absolutely not an option. Sure. But that's very much, I think anybody in this sort of industry can talk about, that is not a mindset that is a natural thing that comes out of, especially IT side, cybersecurity, network security, operations kind of perspectives, because they don't, they don't live in that world. They live in the world of, we'll just reboot it overnight and everybody will be okay tomorrow. Right. I mean, if your company has so far avoided a cyber attack, aren't you pretty safe? I mean, you must be doing something right, surely. So there is a lot of luck going on out there. Um, and honestly, I think that part of the luck has been that the mal actors did not realize how much money people would be willing to pay to get their plant running. Right. And, and to be honest, I think that some of the ransom we have seen had, was a bargain compared to what that organization probably would have been willing to pay if they really got pushed. And the, the sad part is, is that all of these ransoms are basically always, I don't know, 10 times more money than what it would have cost to put in the sort of tools that would have been necessary to prevent the problem in the first place. So setting aside the operational disruption, um, you know, you get a 10x return on your investment just by not paying the ransom. If if you stay ahead of this sort of thing. But that also requires staying ahead of these sorts of things and thinking about this and reaching out to uh, your vendors across the plant. And, and every plant has a bunch of vendors and talking to those vendors about, you know, hi vendor, you know what version of this device you sold me. Uh, is this thing still secure? Uh, how much longer will it be secure? Uh, what should I be thinking about on it? Should I, should I, I mean, every vendor would be happy to replace your equipment, but you know, do I need to replace it? Do I need to just do something to secure it? Are you planning on providing software and firmware updates for some period of time? And, and I think that procurement departments thought have, have been thinking about this and have put this into contracts in the last few years for most organizations, you know, five years. Okay, yeah. I was going to ask whether you are seeing sufficient efforts from oil and gas operators to kind of make sure that those equipment vendors and suppliers are demonstrating compliance with what you consider to be security best practice. And the majors have been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And as you work your way down the, the size of the organizations globally, um, that has been something that's been common, I'd say, in the last five or, or more years. But if you think about it, the average plant, how much of the stuff in that plant was bought since that corporation's procurement department started thinking about these things and how much was bought before that was on the agenda? 
I think a lot of plants worldwide, there's a bigger pocket of equipment that was bought before than bought after. And that equipment is the place where I really think our industry has not thought enough about because just segmenting the network is a good solution if your only goal is to make sure that when that equipment gets attacked, it doesn't blow up the rest of the stuff. Okay, good start. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I run into a decent number of CISOs and plant managers that tell me that they've done this sort of network segmentation. And I go, great, those devices, when they stop working at your plant, your plant will keep running. Huh? And they go, no, of course not. <laughs> and I go, okay, so by segmenting your network, you've prevented the malware from spreading, yeah. but your plant's still down. Right. So it, I, I'm not sure that's really that helpful of a solution. I mean, it's, it's inexpensive. It's a good start. Like I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody who's doing this kind of thing. And if that's the end of the conversation on cybersecurity, then what you're really doing is saying, we'll get cybersecurity when the mechanical stuff breaks and we replace it. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't think that is an attitude that our industry really intends to have. I don't think that's an attitude our investors expect us to have. I don't think that's an attitude our insurers expect us to have. And that's where I think that these surveys really point to the need to be having a more sophisticated conversation about both how do we make sure that if something bad happens, it doesn't spread, but also how do we make sure we can keep operating mm -hmm. and, and try to either prevent the bad thing from happening or put ourselves in a position to recover from the bad thing happening in a quick enough period of time that it doesn't become this huge crisis for the organization. And that's a really more sophisticated conversation that I think our industry is just starting to awaken to and to think about doing. Now, one trend that Siemens Energy is addressing globally is the establishment of OT and ICS-focused security operation centers. I'd love to hear more about the concept of centralized security and all the bits and pieces that play into that. Uh, your website uh, uses the phrase perpetual vigilance, which, Sam, I must say, is both comforting and alarming to me, depending on how I look at it. So this is, I think, the thing that we're doing at Siemens Energy that's the most exciting because, you know, obviously we can go into plants and we can do work at plants and fix networks and that sort of thing. And, you know, that's that, that's pretty cool. But what we're doing with security operations centers is we're building uh, facilities and teams who are focused exclusively on cybersecurity in the OT environment. So this is not what... I think we've seen commonly, which is you maybe have a managed service provider that's operating an IT SOC, and you put some network monitoring at a plant, and you have the same people monitoring the IT network start monitoring the OT network. There's all sorts of problems you run into with that. First off being that a lot of OT monitoring devices, when you first get them going, they throw an enormous number of alerts, and it just kind of overwhelms people looking at it. Yeah. And so we said, well, how do we how do we solve this problem? Because having all the alerts in the world doesn't matter if you can't sift through them and actually find the things that that are relevant to stopping an attack. And so we're building a a worldwide network of uh, cybersecurity operations centers. So we have one in the United States and we broke ground recently on one in Malaysia. 
and we, we were planning on building more around the world, where we have teams that are only focused on OT cybersecurity. And so we, we still install network monitoring and things like that, but rather than piping that into a generalist situation or maybe plugging that into insert your favorite random seam software here, Splunk, QRadar, Logarithm, whatever, we connect that to our proprietary EOS platform, mm -hmm. which integrates not just the security data, but also the plant operational data into a, a unified uh, tool that then we're able to use some artificial intelligence uh, in smarts to help our analysts monitor the plant in real time and really have context around these cybersecurity alerts and really understand, you know, for example, if, uh, if an engineering station is getting a bunch of alerts about uh, failed password login attempts mm -hmm. and the plant's in a shutdown and there's a tech at that HMI, well, maybe that tech forgot his password, but this is probably not a, sim a, a sign of a major attack. Right. right, yeah. But if you're in full load operation and you're getting a bunch of failed password alerts at an HMI in you know, a machine room that's got 120 decibels and you'd have to have like major hearing protection or whatever to be in there, it's much less likely that you've got just an engineer having a bad day with remembering his password at that point. And this is much more likely to be a serious thing. So you're looking at the context. Exactly. And that context is, is what really makes the, the security operation centers and our managed detection response platform so interesting mm -hmm. because we're able to take a team of people who are focused on OT and we're able to put in front of them all of the context that those people need to really understand what's going on and really understand what the, the operational context of a security issue is, which is really all we care about in mm -hmm. OT. Yeah. Right. We we don't care about security for security's sake in OT. We care about the operational context of it. And we're the only one in the market who is able to bring these these pieces together. And we're we're building so so right now we have that available for our own controls platforms, um, particularly T three thousand. Um, but we are building it out for other controls platforms. Mm -hmm. so that we're able to have our customers bring in additional plants, bring in, uh, you know, plants with other, other control systems and still have that kind of intelligence. And so that's part of building these additional socks, but that's also part of, of building out additional control systems. Um, and, and actually, we're, we're looking for pilot customers. So if you have an interesting control system that you want to hook into this, uh, reach out to me. Because we really, what we've discovered in our, in our years of working on this is that if you don't know anything about the operations of the plant, your cybersecurity alerts from the monitoring solutions you put at the plant are kind of ridiculous because, okay, so there's, a, there's, there's some alerts uh, at the plant. I, I wonder if something's going on at the plant. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we've had situations, I mean, we do operation and maintenance at some plants around the world. And, you know, we've had Owen, our, our O&M teams say, yeah, I get these weird calls from the security operations center that we're not monitoring. This is, you know, separate other companies. And, uh, and, they, and they're, they're asking me if the plant is on or not. And, and, you know, the plant guys think, what a ridiculous question is the plant on or, on or not. Right. Um, but if you're in an IT SOC 
you know, normally monitoring email traffic, you you would have no idea. Yeah. Um, and and boy, does that make you less effective. I bet. Then if if you're able to see exactly what's going on at the plant coming off the plant control system in real time. Yeah. So you can get the alert. You can maybe ask the right question, but you don't have a way of, of formulating or figuring out what the answer might be. Exactly. And that's what we're solving for at Siemens Energy is to give the first line analyst who first sees the alert, the information they need to promptly understand the operational impact or potential operational impact of that alert. That also includes things like understanding the plant network topology, Mm -hmm. understanding how this control system works. I mean, these industrial control systems are very complicated. They have different performance parameters and how they communicate and that sort of thing. And again, if if your security operations center people have no idea how that works, yeah, it's going to make it much harder and take longer to understand the impact of an alert. And at our SOCs, we make sure that in that same room are people who understand how that control system works. And because we have those people working together on a day-to-day basis, you're able to much more quickly turn an alert into what we call actionable intelligence, where we can call the plant from a SOC and say, hey, this is what we're seeing. We think you need to go check out this switch, or we think you need to go check out this HMI, or you know whatever it might be, rather than sort of going, well, something's going on, what's going on at your plant, which you know is much less useful information. Mm-hmm. I find so often the knowledge of a plant or a facility resides within people. Um, do you find that to be a problem? Do you do you struggle to get the right people in the room to help you inform your decisions? I think that's actually the important thing, right? Having the people involved is the only solution. And and that's why we are organizing our services the way we have is because we recognize there's no substitute for the people. Mm -hmm. There's no tech tool that gets around the people. So why try? Instead, let's bring let's make the tech bring more intelligent answers to the people and trust the people whose job it is to make things work right to make things work right when they have the right information. And so that's really where our goal when we build these socks and why we're not building socks super fast, because we have to be able to put the right people in the room, Mm -hmm. is to make sure that when we say to a customer, you know, you're getting this managed service from Siemens Energy, that they understand that that means we have the right people in the room at all times and that we don't have this, I wonder what's going on kind of question, but it's more of a hi, we're Siemens Energy, we saw this, this is what we recommend you do, right? Where the, the call is an, is to give the operations people an alert with actionable insights. It's not a question. It's an insight that leads to an action. It's great to see that you're building these socks and you're kind of expanding them in different parts of the world. How do you stay ahead of trends in this arena? I mean, how do you even go about preparing for the next generation of industrial cyber defense? How do you look towards the future? So this is, I think, one place where being an OEM of sophisticated control systems helps a lot. Mm -hmm. So we're able to 
work with our engineering teams that are building the next generation of the controls platforms and understand what these networks of the future are going to look like and then aim our uh, cybersecurity portfolio at that future point and not be trying to play catch up at all times. I think it also, when you do that, you get a good amount of insight of how long is it going to take before the industry adopts these sorts of things. But I think there's there's a, a decent number of players in cybersecurity right now that say to OT companies, oh, you've got that old stuff. Well, good luck with that. We don't touch that. Mm-hmm. And that's so short-sighted if your goal really is to secure a plant, because we all know that some of this Windows XP stuff at plants, for regardless of what Microsoft says about Windows XP, that equipment is not going anywhere for a long time. And a company that says, well, we just don't touch that, uh, you know, I really think that's, that's a, a terrible kind of a, a conversation to have with an operator. It's not realistic. It's not, it's not realistic, but it shows entities that are not serious about being really focused Mm -hmm. on solving the real problems today and giving operators a bridge to be able to get to the upgrade, to be able to get to the the solutions that they need. And without that bridge, what are they supposed to do? Just wait around and hope they don't get hacked? I mean, I just, I think that's a terrible situation to put people in. you know, and that's why we, while we're building this new stuff, I mean, we have tools that we're deploying all over the world right now that are directly aimed at solving the Windows XP problem, solving Windows 2000 problems, because we know that equipment's not going anywhere and it needs cybersecurity too. Yeah. I think a lot of oil and gas companies know that they've got some blind spots, but by their very nature, blind spots aren't easy to locate. You know, what does Siemens Energy do to help strengthen defenses in those blind spots? So I think that's where you get into needing to do things related to understanding what's on the network. So this is about doing good assessments. I don't think it's really possible to do a good cybersecurity assessment without sending experts to a plant and without plugging a device into that plant network and really seeing what's on the network. And yes, that costs more money, obviously. Um, But I'm very skeptical of these assessments that end up being not much more than a questionnaire on a piece of paper. And and candidly, auditors don't accept those anymore. Mm-hmm. M&A people for due diligence rarely accept those anymore. But then finding people who are willing, able, and competent to go to a plant and walk down a plant and, and plug into a network and understand what, what happens when you plug in and what you see, those people are hard to find. And they're not inexpensive. So, you know, I understand where companies say, well, we'll we'll do a basic assessment and see what's up. But I really think that you're never going to solve your blind spot if you don't look. And and I'm very skeptical that it's possible to look without really looking. And that means really going to the plant, really plugging in and, and really doing a rigorous job of saying what really is here. And, and how is this network really laid out? And a lot of these plants, these networks were sort of built ad hoc over the years. And, there, and that doesn't mean anybody was doing anything wrong. That doesn't mean somebody was intentionally sort of not doing something, but that's how it, that's just how it was. And if you, and, and you're, you need to start with an understanding of this is where we're at. 
And then you can build a, a roadmap to say, how are we going to get to where we want to be? So Sam, leave us with a summary of why cybersecurity is mission critical for energy companies. So cybersecurity is mission critical for the same reason that health and safety is mission critical, in that we have built our operations, mostly using computers, to help keep our people safe, to help keep our plants operating efficiently and cleanly and, and safely for the people at the plant and the people near the plant. And those computers that keep the plant safe are what the hackers are coming for, are what the state hackers are coming for, are what the, the I want to pay off hackers are coming for, or what the people that just accidentally hack you are coming for. Those are the computers that they're coming for. And if we don't care about making sure that that keeps working, then why did we put it in in the first place? And fundamentally, if you don't have confidence that your safety systems are working in any other context than cybersecurity, you would shut down the plant. And so for cybersecurity, we need to have that same level of seriousness, but we can get there without necessarily needing to go shut down a bunch of plants right now. If we think about it, if we're careful about it, if we're methodical about it, and if we make sure this is always on the agenda when we think about maintenance schedules and upgrade schedules and those sorts of things. Thanks so much, Sam. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot, Elizabeth. Happy to join your podcast. My thanks to Sam Miarelli at Siemens Energy for speaking on the need for a security-oriented mindset and for encouraging us to consider that the digital world needs to develop in parallel with cybersecurity. Thanks for listening to the Palladian Energy Podcast. Subscribe for free on anchor.fm or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have enjoyed this episode, please rate and review and forward to a colleague or friend. As a special thank you for listening, we'd like to offer you a free trial subscription to Hydrocarbon Engineering Magazine, the leading publication for the global refining, gas processing and petrochemical industry. Each issue is packed full of detailed technical articles, case studies and regional reports from around the world. Visit hydrocarbonengineering.com magazine to grab your free copy today.